This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's your call sign, pilot? Um... We have to go. It's, um... Rogue? Rogue Ones. Rogue Ones? There is no Rogue Ones. Well, there is now. Hello and welcome to the Rogue Ones, a Star Wars and or podcast from the Playlist Podcast Network that dares you to put away the lightsabers, pick up the blasters, and see what this rebellion is really made of. I'm your co-host, Mike D'Angelo, and joining me as always is editor-in-chief of the Playlist, Rodrigo Perez. Together we plan to dive light speed into season one of Andor right along with the fans each week. Many of those weeks will also bring on special guests from the show to discuss stepping into the beloved and contentiously debated Star Wars universe, uh, share what teases for what's to come, and even talk about favorite Star Wars films and moments. This week, we're discussing episode seven of the series, and afterwards, Andor composer Nicholas Bertel joins the podcast to discuss breaking the musical rules of Star Wars and the upcoming release of Andor Volume 1, which features music from Andor's episodes 1 through 4 and hits streamers this Friday, October 21st. But before we jump into that, I've got to tell you that The Rogue Ones is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes The Playlist Podcast, Bingeworthy, The Discourse, Deep Focus, Be Real, The Fourth Wall, and more. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite shows. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Playlist Podcast Network to get this show and all of those that I just mentioned. Also, drop us a rating or a comment, as we always do appreciate it. Rodrigo, we are coming off of episode six, which is that big heist episode that everybody was waiting for and everything was building to. Episode seven, as expected, as you, I think, said last time, this is kind of the fallout. Cassian returns to Ferrix and sneaks around and visits Marva and Bix and kind of comes to realize the wreckage that he left behind. I don't think he'd ever really paid mind to what he left behind there. And the rebel spirit he awoke in Marva, I don't think he realized, you know, what happened there either. And then, you know, we have, you know, Vel and Sint are, are tracking him and tasked with eliminating him. And Luthen and Mon are arguing. So it's like it's the rebellion side of things. It just shows you how splintered and messed up the rebellion is. It's not even really formed yet, right? And it's like, it's funny. I was saying to someone else, like, you know, another version of this show could have everything sort of coalesce right away. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe uh, Luthen uh, finds Cassian and they go... You know, well, well, we actually knew Skeen was kind of a jackass and and I knew that. Maybe Vel didn't, but I knew that. So come and join a rebellion. But it's like much more complicated, much more tricky than that, right? Yeah, Vel deals, deals with different people. 
Luthen has his own world of things and or is often his own. He thinks he's just done with it all. Right. It's totally splintered. And it's like, it's kind of like starting over in many ways. Right. And we see like two major like fallout things, which is really interesting. And I think it sort of speaks to the writing. Like they basically just say like, look, we got to kill Cassian Andor. He's a loose, loose thread in this. The the Aldani thing is a gigantic mess. They're going to be coming after us. It's, it's like, it's, it's almost like a, yeah, it's like a, like, you know, a crime heist. It's like, there's that guy that we hired and he's a loose end. We got to get rid of him. And that's mm-hmm. pretty, you know, that's pretty shocking in a way, but it also makes sense for this show. Right. Um, but the, the people, you know, who hired him essentially are like, we need to like get rid of him. So there's that. And what I also thought was really interesting was the Moth- Mon Mothma uh, Luthan of it all with Mon Mothma basically going like, Jesus Christ, you're going rogue. Like, yeah. You know, like I thought we were a team here and sort of showing the whole precariousness of it all and him being like, look, dude, we just had to go. We saw a window. We had like two days to react. We had to make decisions. We can't keep doing this by committee. You know, we can't like, I'm sorry, like this is difficult. And again, you know, again, we've been talking so much throughout the, the you know, the, the life of this podcast and the shows is like, none of this stuff is simple. Like there's, it's just like, it's difficult for these people to pull that off. And those are the two things that really sort of stuck out at me in this episode, the the Luthan cell wants to get rid of Cassian and, and they've gotten Val and, and Sinta to do that. And uh, the fact that, yeah, Mon, Mon Mothma is like really pissed at Luthan and, but it's kind of like sort of kind of how it needs to be done. Yeah. And this kind of wakes her up as far as like her situation too. I think she kind of invests a little more uh, when she realizes what's going on and she has no, there's, there's no turning around at this point for her. Yeah, I think that's also part of her just in general aggravation is that she's definitely in peril and she sees herself becoming more and more at risk. And I think we will, you know, see throughout a a certain point, she's just going to realize I can't, you know, I got to piss or get off the pot. I can't, I can't playing these two worlds is only going to work for so long. At some point, she's really just going to have to like, you know, can't do the hiding thing anymore. But it's such a precarious thing for her that it may go on for a long time, right? But it's dangerous. The other part that I should definitely mention that I thought was really interesting and powerful is the flashback to Cassian's father, whose his name is Clem. Who, what a uh, heartbreaking little tiny scene, but it, it illuminates so much. Oh yeah, for sure. And it says so much because like, his adoptive father, you know, at this point when you're listening to this episode, you hopefully have seen it, but like, yeah, he's executed, he's hung, you know? And so that's part of, the baggage that we that we learn a little bit more about Cassian Andor, like uh, his father was killed, and and I we see him as a child who sees it, right? The thing is, he wasn't even like actively, you know, in this protest or rebellion or whatever he was trying to break up. Yeah. It's just wrong place, wrong time, which becomes a theme here because you know later in the episode, Andor ends up you know on what you called the Abiza planet. Uh, I believe it's uh, it's ne- Neamos. Neamos, yes, we just talked about it. And he's already got a girl. He's living the tourist life and then just ends up in the wrong place, wrong time, gets mixed up in this crime. He didn't even commit, choked out by K2SO or some model like him. And then, you know, uh, sentenced to six years just out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and yeah. so ridiculous, the, the, the charge for it. But it kind of shows you just how brutal this regime is being in terms of enforcing everything. Right. Like they give him fucking six years for basically like what should be like a misdemeanor. Yeah. And and obviously there's there's reasons for that as well. But if you're talking about the Empire side, 
talk about like the other side of the coin. They're at this point, they're taking things very seriously. They're very organized and they they're are they're, they're really pissed <laughs> looking too. for some heads to chop off. Yeah. Uh, and Deidre takes advantage of this. She gets Blevin's sector in the middle of this, which Blevin, you know, he was, everybody was waiting for that basically because, you know, he's all he's been doing is just trying to stop her and not doing his job, which is basically what's pointed out to him. And she gets, she gets a little something there and she gets some advice, you know, watch your back basically, because doing that kind of thing is going to make you some enemies around there. Yeah. That was a great scene. The whole, like where it backfires on that dude, he tries to blow her up and you know, there's rules and stuff like that, but it's not black and white exactly. You know, yes, you're supposed to stick to the rules, but you know, the boss man there is like, I really like your initiative. So, you know, it circumvents, you know, following these strict orders because she shows like grand thinking in it and, and her ambition is really, you know, taking off. And yes, yeah, her character is really, I mean, she's, as you'll see later on, she's really, she's really going for it, man. Yeah. She's a dog with a bone in in that in this series, basically. Did you catch at the beginning with the the imperial like committee that was meeting after the heist, Admiral Wolf Yalarin, I believe it is. So this is a a character I'm not very familiar with, but a bunch of people have pointed out that this is you know he's in Star Wars seventy seven. He's in one of the scenes with I think Darth Vader and some of the characters. And, oh really? Yeah, and he then he's in Clone Wars and Rebels, so he's used kind of again and again as the as the timeline goes on here but yeah he's popped into this as as kind of the admiral character well that's really interesting because at during that scene now that i'm thinking about it i thought i heard a voice that i'd heard from episode episode four from like mm. talking to, to, to vader and like you know that when they have their whole little council meetings i thought i heard something and then i kind of quickly dismissed it because i didn't see anyone but maybe maybe they're using his voice or something i don't know but i yeah now that you mentioned it, I, that definitely jumped out at me and then i didn't see a face that i recognized uh, obviously whoever that character is probably his features are easy to recast or whatever so it's like he's got a very significant mustache and kind of like grayed up look and then the the, the k2so of it all do, are we just to suspect that that was just the same well, droid there's, model there's tons of them there's tons yeah. of them yeah, I mean, if you actually, if you even see like when that model, that, that robot has them, there's another in the background. There's ton, there's there's hundreds of them. There's thousands of them. Yeah. They're just Imperial protocol droids that they have and, and that they use all the time. What we know from Rogue One is that they reprogrammed K2SO specifically mm-hmm. um, and, you know, broke his programming or whatever. But yeah, I mean, they're all just normally they're mindless robotic versions of that. <laughs> I, right, I'm well, assuming we won't get K2SO until season two. Yeah, it's got to be a little while till we get that far. Okay, let's set up the the interview here for our listeners. Andor's first seven episodes are up now on Disney Plus, with new episodes dropping weekly through November. Let's talk about Nicholas Bertel. Uh, great, great interview talking about the score and the music that they used and how they broke the rules of Star Wars. This is actually also one of the few interviews that we got to do together, so we got to kind of experience all of it. What yeah. uh, what do you want to set up for this one? The things that I love the most about it is him talking about the the sort of the grammar of Star Wars that is mm. it, it, for people who may not know music that well. It's like it's very brass. And a lot of it is, you know, a lot of horns and things like that. And, you know, Andor breaks a lot of those rules, breaks away from those conventions. He talks a lot about that. And as a, as a nice little tease, he also I asked him about, you know, whether the Rogue One music is very specific and the Andor music is nothing like Rogue One music. And I asked him if you know like the show is going to walk into rogue one is it musically going to talk walk into rogue one and i think he you know without saying it basically he was like yeah like stay tuned and you'll see how 
we get a little bit closer to that. And so maybe I wouldn't expect too much of it. And it's probably near the end of season two, I'd imagine. But yeah, I mean, you know, Rogue One has a very specific sound, which is very similar to episode four and and or does not. So that was sort of my question about just like how they how they merge and. I think he's, yeah, I think he pretty much said like, yeah, <laughs> you painted him into a corner on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a really fascinating interview. We generally don't get to talk to like composers in that. So it's, it's just even hearing the process of it is fascinating to me. Again, uh, people listening, the, the volume one of that collection of music, it's going to be kind of coming out in spurts. I think he said four volumes for this first series. Uh, episodes one through four hit streamers on Friday, October 21st. So we can listen I to think that it's right three. away. It's going to be three volumes because it's four. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Four, one through four drops on Friday. And then it'll be, you know, six through uh, eight and then nine through 12 uh, somewhere later in the fall. But yeah, three three albums of, of music because he said he wrote like hundreds of hours of, of, of music. So yeah. like seven hours of music or something like that. So pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, lots of stuff. Let's kick it over to our interview with Nicholas Bertel. As a reminder, we'll be back next week for another episode of The Rogue Ones. So keep checking back each week for more discussions, more interviews of this amazing piece of Star Wars. Uh, for Rodrigo and myself, stay rebellious. Hey. Hey, Nicholas, how are you? Good, how are you? How's it going? Very well. Good, nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to speak with us. We are huge fans of Andor and your work on it. So awesome. Um, yeah, Happy it's to be really here. exciting. I usually sure. don't get to speak with, with composers either. Usually it's like actors, directors, showrunners, that, that kind awesome. of stuff. Hey, I'm so honored. This is, <laughs> yeah, this is great. This is something we don't get to talk about a lot. So fantastic. Before we get into the Star Wars of it all, how does it how does one become a film composer? I don't, usually it's not the goal for everybody and they just kind of stumble into it. Was this something that you're like, that's my goal. I want to be this. I, I love film and film music since I was like a little kid. It was, I mean, since I was like five years old, I somehow was drawn to this. So, uh, but I don't think I knew that it was really even a possible career for a very long time. When I was growing up, I thought I was going to be a concert, like a classical concert pianist. You know, that was sort of a path I was on. And then in college, I was in a band. Um, and then just serendipitously, a, a dear friend of mine in college wanted, you know, was trying to be a director and he was making a feature film in college, you know, like a two and a half hour movie for $10,000. And he, uh, he just said, do you want to try to score this with me? And we just started trying to figure it out. So I think it is, it's a, you know, it's it's a bit of a mysterious process to do this, I think. And as I as I do it more, I feel it's even more mysterious, actually. You know, you learn so much and there are so many possible ways of doing this. So so yeah, so long answer to your question, but I I definitely I've always loved it. But I think as I got older, I realized that it might actually be a possible career. Right. And it snowballed all the way into Star Wars now. And yes, you're exactly <laughs> you're Amazing. doing Andor. Um, so, uh, Rodrigo, our, our editor in chief, he's actually on here too with us. He spoke with Tony Gilroy recently. I think he said you were involved somewhere around two years ago. How did, how did this yes. get involved from your perspective and did you have to like fight for the job or was it like, this was actually brought to you? No, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, it had, it was, yeah, we worked on it for about two years together and it's huge amount of work. I would, uh, you know, just on that side, it was like, I think Tony and I 
knew it was going to be a lot of work, but I think both of us truly underestimated how much work it was going to be. Like it was even more work than we imagined. And we already imagined a lot. Um, but yeah, no, they, uh, they reached out to me in early, I believe it was, was early 2020, I think. Um, and, uh, a dear friend of mine, actually one of my closest collaborators, my music editor, John Finkley had worked with Tony on Rogue One. And, you know, I, I surmised that that might've been one of the ways that, that, uh, I think Tony was familiar with my music, but I, I know John spoke with Tony and then uh, Tony and Kathy reached out in early 2020. And obviously I was immediately <laughs> interested and we started talking. And then the scope of the work, like I was saying, was so large that we knew that uh, that from the beginning, from even before the start of shooting, we actually would have to figure out a lot of the on-camera music. Um, because there is, there's so much that, that you've seen and there's even more, and I don't know how, how far had you, but I mean, there's, there's, there is a lot of on-camera music in the whole show. And um, so we right away started trying to brainstorm that. Uh, and, you know, I had some, you know, some early top secret scripts that, you know, and I talked to Tony about that. And then in August of 2020, that was our first sort of, and actually, you know, that was like during the earliest, obviously months of COVID. So we were, you know, getting together in my studio was a whole safety process <laughs> just to see if that was even possible. But I'm very adamant about the need to work in person. And I know Tony, Tony felt similarly, actually, you know, so, um, so getting together in the studio and we started working on some of those ideas and I started presenting him some of these early ideas for some of the on-camera music in August of 2020. So yeah, it's over two years ago. And, um, and we were working up until this August, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, we finished in August. So, That's uh, yeah. pretty unusual, though, right? Like most people generally, you know, you get a an edited film and say, "Hey, you know, uh, I, uh, how are you going to score this?" Most people don't, you know, or aren't from the script level. Like two years, you know, this was right? this was unique for I think in a lot of ways. Um, I have actually, I think, what's happened. I've had, I've found over the years, one of the things I feel really lucky about is having found very, very close collaborators. And interestingly, I think when you have a person uh, or a group that you're really closely collaborating with, they will tell you stuff way ahead of time. So um, in the stuff that I've done with Barry Jenkins uh, and the stuff that I've done with Adam McKay, um, they'll usually send me scripts before they've started shooting and will you know, I think the unique thing with with Andor was the amount of on-camera music actually ne necessitated this early process. You know, it's one thing to say, here's my script, let's talk about it and, you know, imagine some ideas. It's another thing to say, we're going to be shooting in a few months, but we need to write all sorts of stuff right now. <laughs> and we have to figure this out and we have to, there, it's going to be, chore you know, there's choreography, we have to figure out, you know, an Aldani eye festival and we have to figure out a there the whole signaling sequence uh, the alarm signaling in episode three on Ferrix. I mean, that's a, a very complex percussion piece that we, that I wrote. Each rhythm has a meaning, you know, we had to figure out how they were going to do that on set and then how the, you know, how would we make it sound and would it sound right? And would the score fit with it? So these were all things we were trying to figure out, you know, two years ago. And, um, and the best part was that Tony is the most incredible collaborator and, we, you know, we together would, we'd sit in my studio and just ask these questions and just, you know, debate and, and try things for hours at a time. I mean, Tony would come over, he lives about 11 blocks from me. So he would bike over 
and you know multiple times a week for four or five hours at a time we would work yeah it's apparent pretty quickly when you're listening to this that this doesn't follow the rules of star wars if there are any rules of star wars <laughs> because <laughs> it's very different than everything that's come before and then you're iterating on what you're already doing how quickly you know was that into the conversation like we're not doing star wars we're doing andor that was the first conversation that okay. was that was actually before i even joined you know that was the that was sort of the opening thing was we would love to talk to you about this but also just fyi you know we really want to we want andor to have a very unique uh we want it to have its own sound world um and that was that was the kind of wonderful opening um discussion was you know what might that be and to what extent do you really want it to be its own thing and how do we and, you know and and i think what they were going for with every element i mean you can see every element of the show is thought out and and is very there's so much specificity in everything and it was really important for tony that the music was as specific that we were creating all of these things for everything that that was happening moment to moment I think it was it was exciting. I mean, it was also humbling to be, you know, I think certainly for a composer to enter into the Star Wars universe, it's, you know, it's it's probably the most legendary set of film music ever created. And that's and that's saying a lot because there's a lot of incredible film music in the world Even amongst John Williams. You know? I'm saying it's it's it is so iconic and legendary. And for every composer, I mean, I don't think you can find a composer who, you know, and if they said they weren't inspired by it, they're probably not telling the full story there you know it's it's such a part of our culture it's beyond just the music i mean that that music is culture in so many ways is become it's transferred around the whole world so i think it's very humbling to even begin to approach this universe but i think in some ways the um the liberating thing was that they were saying you know actually we want you to really find find our own new part of this universe um, and I think that was exciting. Um, there was obviously a large responsibility that we felt to, to figure out what that was, but Tony is so, he's such a confident, um, and, and brilliant thinker and had such a sense of what he was looking for. And Kathy was so supportive the whole, you know, so I mean, I felt really, really taken care of in that way. And, uh, and so I was, I was really just excited. I mean, it was emotional for me to be a part of this. I mean, when I was a kid, I saw, I, my parents took me to see Return of the Jedi in the theater, you know? <laughs> so, so this is like very meaningful for me to be a part of this. Like Mike was saying earlier about the rules of Star Wars, and there are a lot of rules in Star Wars, right? Like, you know, <laughs> design elements, things sure. like that. And I, they're not probably as discussed in the in the in the pop cultural world, but there's a lot of like musical rules to Star Wars in a way, right? Like horns are such a thing, you and, know. Like and exactly, no, for sure. There's a lot. There is a lot of like grammar to the history to the to the yes. franchise exactly. in a way, you know. And I think we we were. I'm very aware of those things, but also to some extent too, we were maybe counterpoint to that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, what I was going to say is like, I feel yeah. like we're breaking those rules yes. all the time yes. in a way that's sort of shocking. And and I almost feel like, did you ever get to that point where you're like, can we do this? Like, I, I'm like- <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Every day. <laughs> I would say there were times, and you know, I think the wonderful thing that I felt 
personally going through this was the show evolves, as you can see. I mean, each episode builds and changes as we go. We're learning things. The characters are learning things. And so the music is changing. So there are things, for example, in the grammar of the music in episode one that are very different from the grammar of the music in episode six already. And that will continue happening over the course of the, certainly, I, I, I'm not going to speak beyond that, but over the, certainly over the course of season one, that is constantly happening. You know, there are things that will happen in future episodes that are distinct from the things that you've seen. So I think even over the course of those things, there were moments where I would say, I think we need some brass here, you know, and we'd say, are we doing brass here? You know, <laughs> and then we'd be like, yeah, no, no, we need brass here, you know? So those were, but it was, it was always a very, very um, active conversation about that. Nothing. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Nothing was taken for granted. Nothing was a flippant choice of, oh, sure, let's do it. It was always like, what are we doing here? The, I mean, I can't emphasize enough the amount of care and thought that Tony and the whole crew put into this. I mean, every single thing, this was like a, this was such a deep amount of effort, you know? And so every moment of every episode, we were like, what are we doing here? You know, whether it's the sort of my dark synthesizers, you know, we, we were like, okay, this is what we're doing. You know, whether it's like, you know, down to, uh, as an example, like the, we just debuted episode seven, yeah. today you that know like, dance beat is been, that what you're talking about like the the, <laughs> the niamos the yeah niamos <laughs> the track niamos yeah. and that track is the same music that you hear in the club in morlana in episode one mm. that is and that. the idea is that it's but it's a different version right our idea is that this is like an intergalactic hit and so <laughs> depending awesome. on where you go right it's also that makes sense so you hear it as a lounge music in in the in diplomatic sequences on Coruscant. In those sequences with Mon Mothma and people talking, you'll hear it as this like lounge, very delicate piece. In the back there, when we, you know, so we're thinking about that stuff in episode one. We're like, oh, this is kind of what if we did that, you know? <laughs> because, and I think part of that is because maybe it's because I mean, first of all, it's because Tony has such a deep mind on this stuff, but it's also because I think in a way you know, to your question of getting involved early, I think when you do get involved early and you have all these things, like you're thinking about music that's happening in all these different episodes right from the beginning, it gives you a sense of the architecture very early on that you might not normally have, you know, like by contrast, for example, on like succession, you know, I actually am in the dark. I purposely try to stay in the dark on some of the things that happen in later episodes, just because I like getting surprised by some of those things. And I think on Andor, I really had to consciously be like, well, what are we doing here early on? And, and interesting, I think there's pros and cons that, you know, the, 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 obviously you're not, I'm not as surprised when we get to episode seven. Cause I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, that's, <laughs> I was thinking about this, but at the same time, I think the scope is so wide on Andor that I had to be involved in that way. Yeah. I was joking that that episode is like uh Star Wars, the music of Star Wars and Ibiza. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that, to me, I mean, like, hey, you know, I mean, 
there's a there, why why isn't there a you know a, a dance a dance club planet you know right well that's what's <laughs> cool about this show is that you guys consider culture and and Absolutely. and and people's lives and yes Absolutely. there would be music throughout right of course oh, I have hits here there would be hits there there's hits yeah it's a it's a fully fleshed and I think that that's a world it's a real that's universe. a world exactly and and the characters too in the same way like there's an external world and I think that similarly we're we're exploring the internal worlds of these people, you know, like what are their internal pains and stories, you know, the way that we approach Cassian, you know, the way that we're thinking about his past, his feelings. And I think for me, musically, I was constantly thinking about that. Like, you know, it's not just what's happening in the moment. It's how does he feel about that? And how does his past affect his present, you know? And then we get to like the main themes, which you do. I think you do a, a variation of it for each episode, right? Yeah, exactly. Every episode has its own main. When did that idea come about? And did you, was there ever a point where you're like, how are we going to reinvent this over and over and over again? And is that something you're just going to keep taking forward? It's a good question. Uh, the way it really started was in, in it was early on. Um, actually, I played some of those theme ideas early, but then it was really the following year where we started getting more into the episodic work of score and themes. And I remember playing Tony, the early idea of, the, of, of a theme for, for Andor. And um, there were so many different ways of doing it, actually. And maybe it's, it's sort of to your point about the, the, all the ways of, you know, all the rules of Star Wars and all the different things. There, there was a way that I could do it where there was brass and strings. And there was a way I could do it with, with electronica. And there was a way I could do it with like, you know, these felt pianos. And, you know, I remember saying to Tony, like, is there a world where we just change it every episode? And, 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 you know, as we go and it, and the music, the theme almost follows the show and the characters and is, is, is kind of tailor-made for what's happening at that moment. And we were just really jazzed by that idea. So, you know, there was a lot of stuff like that that would just come out of these conversations and, 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 you know, Tony would be like, yeah, let's do it. So we would just do it. And uh, to your question of, was it a challenge there? There was so much, there was, you know, there's over seven hours of music that I wrote for, for the series. Uh, it's, it's like seven and a half hours, I think that I wrote. And um there were definitely moments where I was like, and now I have to do a new variation for this episode, <laughs> you know, here we go. But it was, um, it was exciting. Honestly, it was just so exciting every step of the way. And I think Tony was always curious what I was going to show him for, you know, here's episode nine, you know, that kind of thing. Like, here's what this is. And, and it always made sense to us. And actually we, we got our sea legs as we went, you know, so as we would get there, we would, I think be like, oh, actually now that we're doing this, of course we should do this. And by the end, I mean, it really felt like, how could we have not done that? I love that theme too. There's such a, a rich uh, emotional immediacy to it, right? Especially in some, like at the end of episode 10, like, my God, it's like, oh, you know, that, that him and Stellan, that I, Mike hasn't seen it yet. I don't want to spoil it to him. Don't but spoil like, it. No, it's no spoil. Yeah, exactly. But there's exactly, I mean, I think that it really, it, there are different emotional perspectives that I think the music is having with those themes in each episode. And there are different motifs. There's, there's sort of a main theme concept, yeah. but in different iterations of it, you actually hear other counterpoint themes with it that emerge depending on the episode. So you hear very distinctly another, there is another kind of counter theme that comes in, in some of the later episodes that you'll notice. And I think part of what I was going for is, 
know, it's 35.2 seconds. That's how long the track is exactly. Right. And uh, that's the window for the for the, the opening title. And I think for me, there was a sense that I wanted it to tell a story on its own. Hopefully it's almost matching Cat. It's about the show, but it's about Cassian too. And it's, I, I wanted it to sort of feel like it was matching his own understanding of himself. You know, like mm-hmm. it starts quietly. There's the sort of like mystery to it. Every episode, there's like a pulse. There's sort of like, what is this? Then it grows, you hear something and then it really crescendos and then it's immediately out. You know, it's sort of like, it's like this whole like, whoa, you know, and I wanted there to be some sort of shape like that, where it doesn't immediately just go, here I am. It sort of like lurks for a second. It is sort of like, what, it, what am I, you know, and then it grows. And, and then the outros of each theme change per episode too. I mean, sometimes it's a, a hard out. Sometimes it actually immediately is into the episode with, with sort of like score for what's happening. Um, so it's definitely, it was definitely tailored that way per per episode. I want to ask about the album, but maybe I'll let Mike ask that, but I'd be remiss. I'm very curious about, so, you know, uh, I think Mike's already there. We see Melshi, you know, and, and that's pretty, that's really cool. I was like, okay, great. That's a, you know, that's a deep cut character from Rogue One. Yes. You know, when I talked to, 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 to Tony, um, he said, you know, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to walk into Rogue One eventually. Right. Like, right. Too, like, he even said, like, you know, like he even told me the end, basically, is like, you know, we're going to walk right into the rings of caffeine. You're going to see and or Cassian going there, getting ready to meet, you know, some of the um, the spy that he meets at the beginning of Rogue One. And I'm just curious about, like, does that mean you guys walk musically into Rogue One at some point in season two? Like, have you guys discussed that? So we, we we've we've talked about this as through the whole way. And 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 it's interesting because I think. um I don't want to give anything away, but <laughs> but but definitely um, the place of Andor in the story, in the in the evolution of this story, is of the utmost importance in our thoughts. You know, of like where we are, where this is leading, what this yeah. means, and I think actually, I mean, so much of Andor is about it is this backstory, this and and creating the emotion and the intensity to found so much of the material that that is to come. So yeah, we're talking about that stuff quite often. Um, I don't want to give anything away for season two. I don't know what what I'm allowed to say, but but it is absolutely a part of our thoughts. And um, it is not, it's not like a distinct thing. This is all one very, very extensive, elaborate thread, I would say. Right. I guess I would just add to that. Yeah. So far, you know, musically, you're pretty distinct from, yes. from, from yes. Rogue One. Like Rogue yes. One is... I feel like, you know, we were talking about rules and grammar. I feel it's very traditional in a way, right? To Star Wars. I mean, it's much closer to where Rogue One as the prelude to where that's going, you know, to Star Wars episode four, for example, right? You know, it's to walking literally, which I always loved how they just, you're right in, you know? Um, But uh, yeah, that is, in some ways, I think that is very literally close to that in a way, time-wise, placement-wise, and we're a little bit we're farther from that you know so it's a good question like as we go does it get close you know and so i would say uh we we shall see <laughs> but it's an it's a fantastic question and i i'm actively thinking about that yeah cool, cool, cool. we're on to you nicholas we are on to you. <laughs> i i don't know what i can say you know but but, <laughs> but i think about all these things yes yeah, for sure so we usually like to kind of wrap up with some some basic star wars fan questions just because we've all been fans for our whole lives what's your sure. first just basic memory of star wars do you remember sitting down and watching it 
you know, in the basement or whatever it was, what was the first movie that really opened everything for you? You know, it's funny. I have like a hazy memory of, of going to the theater when I was a little kid to see Return of the Jedi. That was, I was a lot, you know, I was born in 80. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, the, I think it might've been like the first movie my mom took me to as a kid in the theater actually. Um, but growing up, I, you know, I had the, the you know, the VHS trilogy you know I you know we'd have the box set you know and I you know I, I watched those obsessively those were Star Wars Empire and Return of the Jedi I mean that was like my childhood my brother and I, I have a little brother we, we were obsessed you know so it was always and actually I mean in some ways I think that sound and those ideas and definitely the John will the universe of John Williams was hugely impactful just as a, it was a character you know it was a whole world of sound and I remember being very very deeply enamored of that you know mm-hmm. um, so but uh and 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 my brother and I were always into film music we loved we would li- you know we would watch movies and we would listen to the music you know <laughs> we were so Star Wars I think is one of the preeminent examples in so many ways of music being uh, being a character in something really you know where you can't separate the music from Star Wars certainly from the, the original trilogy is just un- unbelievable so so that would those were my early very emotional you know memories and connection to that yeah. And, and, you know, once you're exposed to that, I think, and, and you love film music, I mean, it's, it becomes a part of your uh, musical lexicon or cultural lexicon in that way. Yeah. So that was my first, those are my first, you know, and I had all the, I had like a Millennium Falcon, you know, I had all the, I had all the stuff, you know, we had, I, I had all those, you know, I had X-Wing fighters, you know, sure. I had all that stuff. <laughs> to jump off of what Mike just said, to drill down a little bit deeper into it, which I feel like what the show does, what Tony does. <laughs> yeah. Fitting. Do you have, what's one of your, like, what are your favorite Star Wars specific themes? Cause there's so many great. Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. You know, there's um, so many, there are so many, I think there is a, there's an interest, you know, it's a good question. I, I mean, there's look, it's like an impossible scope of answering there, but I think there's a moment and there's a phrase in, in it. I love the final fanfare in episode four. And I love I think if I had a favorite moment in the whole there there and I I'm a big end credits person like I love end credits I think they're <laughs> I think they're on a formal level I think opening credits and end credits are very important I love them you know and um I think there's something about opening credits that hypnotizes you and brings you in and then there's something about end credits that sort of like embraces you you know and and lets you be like let's let's contemplate what we just experienced you know in the end of episode 4 there's a moment where the whole thing ends, you know, it, it has that final chords and then immediately it goes into the minor sixth and the fifth, the dump, you know, that thing. And immediately you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so I think if I had to have, pick a musical moment, there's the final slow, you know, the final cadence of that, you know, fanfare where they're being, you know, honored. And then the turn into the credits, that's probably my favorite you know, but an impossible question to some extent. <laughs> it's like a, it's like I a, love that sound. There's something about that feeling. There's something so like complex about it too. You know, you're in this like ceremonial rejoicing and then immediately you're back to like, oh, wow, there's so much more to come. You immediately get that sense. You know? it's, a, it's like a musical smash cut, right? That's hundred so- <laughs> percent. Oh my God. Oh my God. I just remember just being like so blown away by that. <laughs> Yeah. We've all had that experience for sure. Yeah, there's the the moment where Luke's just staring out at the two suns. You know that oh moment where it swells, and oh every time I, it brings tears to my eyes. I, well, I that's a, that's a work of art. 
It's a yeah. work of art. It's a work Amazing. of art. That whole visually, musically, I mean, I think that's, you know, um, I believe that they they called it Ben's theme in the mm-hmm. beginning, but it's the force theme there. Yeah, right? it kind of changed that over time, right? Over time, exactly. Exactly. So that that moment is that moment is very special. Yeah. Yeah. Um quickly, uh let's that album, you know, where it's coming out Friday, I believe, right? Yes. Uh, episodes one through four. Does that mean we're gonna get several albums out of this? Yes. Indeed, we are. Um, there are going to be three volumes. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be four episodes per volume. And um, it, it, yeah, it's I take, you know, uh, I take a lot of time in putting these albums together. I always do. And it's it's a it's a big part of the process, I feel, actually, to make sure that every project, you know, the album is as reflective of, of the the world is possible of the, of the world of the, of the project. Um, so it's a combination, you know, we're going to get over the course of the albums, we'll get all the themes, all the different episodic themes, and then it'll be, you'll hear all sorts of things. I mean, we'll have, you know, for example, on volume one, I mean, you'll hear that Morlana club mix of Niamos, you know, that's on there, <laughs> you know, the, all the different, you know, different themes, uh, uh, different musical moments. It's all, you know, so it's, 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 it's a lot. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully people enjoy the the scope of that. <laughs> so these are just going to be streaming releases initially. Are you going to do like a box set towards the end? A good question. It's a good question. I would love to do that. We haven't mm-hmm. talked about that yet, but um, I, I would, lo- I would love to, to, to create something like that. Uh, initially it's streaming and obviously for download as well yeah so it should be on all platforms yeah so volume one will be available friday and then i don't have the exact dates but it's over the next couple months following those those uh those episodes will will have the releases yeah awesome amazing i know you're sticking in we're this is an andor specific kind of podcast and and, you know conversation but i know you're sticking with the disney family so to speak you're working with barry jenkins again yes Yes. Can you tease what, what's going on with that? Is it a full on musical? And are you working within that? Or what the what's the situation there? You know, it's a great question. I, I can't say too much about it at this point. I mean, it's um, I'm honored to be working with Barry on that. And uh, I love, you know, my my collaborations with Barry have been some of the most, you know, special to me of anything I've ever done. Um, and it's a long process. You know, there's there's a huge amount going into that. Barry's been working, you know, it's a multi year process to create that. Um, and I did, I have already started working on that. Um, but, uh, but I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm allowed to say anything more than that, except for the fact <laughs> to confirm that I'm working on it. And, um, it's, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, Barry was here a couple of weeks ago. We were working on it. So yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding. Okay. Well, we've kept you way beyond when we said we will. I really appreciate it. Okay. It's great talking to time. you. Yeah. Um, let's have you back for season two. We'd love to keep talking about this. This show's great. Oh, the music's awesome. Thank you. The rich thank detail you. that you guys bring into this stuff is so great. We really Awesome. Love well, I'm honored. I'm honored to be here. I, I really appreciate it. And please keep in touch. Yeah. We'd yeah. love to chat more. Awesome. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. Take thank care. You.